My name is Scott Challoner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of this programme will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined on today's programme by Ian Kirkby, the founder and owner of Aspire Management Consultancy Limited, a firm which offers coaching, mentoring, training and consultancy services to help leaders, teams and organisations fulfil their full potential. Um, Ian, a very warm welcome to you this morning. And by all means, thank you for joining us on the programme. Thanks very much, Scott. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure having you with us as well, Ian, of course, second time that you've joined us on the show. And um, what I want to kind of just sort of get a little bit of an idea about um, this time around is kind of your journey into um, sort of coaching and mentoring that side of things, because um, Mm. you founded Aspire uh, back in 2012. So 10 years old this year I suppose congratulations is in order for that um so uh, but also uh, before that you were of course a squadron leader in the uh, the royal air force so i'm just wondering as to how you kind of transitioned from sort of that career into the coaching and mentoring side of things and whether that experience in the forces sort sort of feeds into that philosophy of coaching that you have uh, thanks Scott. that's a great question I, I think many people have a misconception about the modern military um, there's still an image that military officers march, shout and jump a lot and, and do not much else. But what I found in my time in the military was that it gave me great exposure to it, the need for a wide range of leadership styles and coaching and mentoring is very much at the forefront of what, of what is required. The old kind of command and control style of leadership, there is a time to be direct, but the old regular command and control style of leadership is widely acknowledged in all sectors, I think, to be less than optimal for getting the best results out of people. Mm. Uh, coaching and mentoring people gets them engaged, it builds them up, it gives them ownership of the solutions that come up as well. So the results speak for themselves, and it's, it's well quantified that uh, that's a more productive way of doing business as a leader. Absolutely so. So when it comes to kind of when you need to assert authority as a leader today, sort of what are some of the best ways that you can actually kind of go about doing that, considering that that command and control style is now essentially out of the window? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's always out of the window. Mm. Um, I put an article on LinkedIn about the requirements for good leadership. And one of the key requirements is the ability to flex style. So there's a time to be kind of laissez-faire or very democratic or engaging and open to team suggestions and, and letting them run things even. But there is also a time as well for taking the responsibility of making a decision at the time. It helps to think of extreme situations perhaps. If you're on the, the bridge of a ship that's heading for an iceberg and you need an imminent course of action, you don't want to debate or a team solution. You need to be very direct and give a clear command uh, order there. Uh, but generally speaking, it helps as well to think of it as like a bank account. And the more you are building your people up, the more you're engaging them, the more you're giving them ownership for the issues and the opportunities that arise, then you're putting into that bank account. And if you have to be very direct at sometimes, I think of that as kind of pulling out of that account. So getting that balance is really important, but being able to flex style is really important from democrating a laissez-faire, like I say, right through to being quite directive. But the emphasis largely today is mostly on the towards the democratic laissez-faire kind of side of things. Yeah, certainly um, understandable from uh, my perspective. And obviously, as I say, sometimes you do have to kind of like take that direct action as a leader. But a lot of what you do within leadership today is very much about the team. And obviously, team building is something that you specialize in as well. Um, 
does sort of your experience, um, as again, going back to your experience in the forces, has that sort of fed into the way that you go about sort of team building? Because I can imagine there can be some real benefits that can sort of feed into what you do now from those experiences that you have had before. Uh, yeah, huge benefits. Um, one of the things that the military does really well is continuous development. Uh, even when we graduate from Cranwell as officers, a large part of our career is spent on further leadership and team development and the importance for that. Um, really, a- anybody can go charging up a hill on their own and look back to find out they're alone. But the whole point of leadership is to take people with you, to engage them, give them a sense of purpose, to motivate them to want to do what needs to be done, even if initially they don't want to do that. And what I learned in the military was, was some of the skills that were required to do that and, and develop subsequently with non-military organizations as well. Uh, and that's really what yields the results. Yeah, and you find as well that a crisis situation, sort of what you're experiencing with the military is very much uh, likely to be different to that that you'd witness sort of at the top of a business, isn't it? I mean, crises uh, come in different forms, they affect us in different ways. So when you sort of put this into sort of like, you know, the corporate environment and a boardroom situation and, you know, you're facing a mm-hmm. difficulty as a leader within a business, um, what are the kind of key hallmarks that you need as a leader to kind of maintain a cool head and deal with that situation, would you say? I think as you, exactly as you say, though, maintaining a cool head uh, is absolutely vital. Um, there's a big difference between being decisive and being rash. And people follow confidence, really. Uh, if you're jumping around shouting all the time, that's not leadership. <laughs> people may do what you want in the short term, but you're not going to motivate them. You're not going to get the best results. And they're going to stop giving you their ideas and observations as well. So there's a real high cost to having that kind of uh, almost bullying leadership style, if you like. So when businesses are facing a crisis and direct action is required, maintaining a cool demeanor is really helpful. If you have time to make a decision, take it. If it doesn't need to be a snap decision, then use the intervening time to inform the decision that you're going to make. But if a decision does need to be need to be made, then make it clearly and make it quickly and make it effectively. So don't beat about the bush. Don't kind of fudge the issue. Don't leave it for your managers to sort out. It's really important for your credibility and for the good of the organization as a whole you are clear about what you want and then be big enough to change things further down the line if it becomes clear there's a better way of doing something. So again, having that kind of cool demeanor is really helpful. It's a bit like the analogy of the swan. Inside, you might be thinking, what, what do I do? Um, and that's fine. And you know, listen to people if the time permits and what have you. Uh, but at the end of the day, have that cool demeanor, make a clear decision. And then I think that effective decision making is one of the essential traits of leadership as well. Yeah, the swan analogy is a really effective one, isn't it? And it kind of feeds into sort of stress as well, doesn't it? I mean, if you are sort of in a stressful situation as a leader, I mean, obviously you deal with that in a certain way. You don't obviously show that kind of sort of outward um, impression that, you know, this is a frantic sort of situation that I'm going through at the moment. You maintain the cool head, but... I suppose one way that you kind of can manage your well-being in a positive sense from a leadership perspective is also by showing a little bit of vulnerability as well. And there are Mm. positive ways that we can do that, aren't there? There absolutely are. But I call it controlled vulnerability. Um, It's not wise to share everything with with your team necessarily. Um, But showing that you're human, that you are affected by things as well, that if the business is going through a difficult time, that it is affecting you also. But then turning that around as the kind of we're in this together, how can we work this through together? That's really helpful. No, nobody wants to follow a machine. So being human and being authentic is really important. Uh, but as you rightly say there as well, it's really that kind of controlled vulnerability. You're not sharing everything. You're certainly sharing enough to 
enables people to engage with you as a person as well as their boss or leader. And do you think that this uh, part of leadership is something that some in sort of senior positions struggle with more than other aspects, do you think? I do. It's been my overriding experience, unfortunately, that many senior leaders um, think either that they should have all the answers or that they should be seen to have all the answers. Mm. The reality is that none of us do, of course. And if you take that approach, you, you stymie your team. It disengages them. They won't contribute their ideas. And as a result, the leader and the person and people concerned will deliver suboptimally again consistently. I've just written an article actually on um, imposter syndrome, which is amazingly common even amongst CEOs. And in it, I quote one uh, very experienced CEO turnaround coach who said that of the CEOs he's interviewed, 85% of them had imposter syndrome thinking, am I good enough for this? Am I doing the right thing? And 15% of them were lying. Uh, now, I'm not sure it's really quite at 100% level, but the reality is that most of us will question what we're doing sometimes. And understanding that is a part, a natural part of the roles that we're playing can be very helpful. It stops us getting arrogant and egotistical. It means that we're more likely to seek advice appropriately from the people we should be looking to, maybe a coach or a mentor or a trusted confidant within the business and that's got to be good for everybody it's good for our own mental health as well it is isn't it when we think about mental health as well i mean i suppose a real spotlight has been shone on the importance of that um, over the last couple of years mm-hmm. since the pandemic and it seems that we've really kind of taken that forward um and it is important isn't it to obviously not just safeguard that of your colleagues and make sure that you are you know looking out for them and you've got the right policies and frameworks in place for that but you kind of have to take a lead and lead by example on your own well-being as well don't you because if you're letting yourself get into the wrong sort of state at the top of an organization then obviously that's going to filter down ultimately isn't it uh, it is and it's very evident to people as well so ceos or senior leaders may try to hide that but it becomes evident to those who follow them uh, again i've been to many organizations when i've been uh, coaching with the executive finding out about the difficult stresses and how they're trying to manage and cope with that and thinking that they're keeping it hidden. But invariably, when I speak to the team's concerns, there is an impact on them as well. Uh, so again, it, it is looking after ourselves. We look after ourselves physically. We should look after ourselves mentally as well. Now, there are lots of things we can do to reduce the stress. But the reality is in the modern world, there's a lot to do. Everybody is busy. But managing that workload, getting the right priorities, making effective decisions, and accepting that sometimes mistakes will be made and correcting them, taking ownership and correcting them is a really helpful way of approaching it. It absolutely is, isn't it? And I think as well, when you look at a lot of startup companies, I suppose a big barrier to very young leaders, especially who are just starting out, is actually sort of letting go and delegating responsibility. And they often sort of find it easy to kind of overburden themselves, don't they? So are there any sort of techniques mm. considering that, there are a lot of younger viewers that tune into this podcast who are of the entrepreneurial mindset. Are there any techniques or recommendations for sort of helping people kind of ease up on that side of things and take that step back? Yeah, that, that sort of effective delegation is crucially important. And um, it's not just young leaders that struggle with that. I find mm. that with a lot of senior leaders as well. So my advice to the younger leaders would be start early. Get into the habit of doing things now that are going to put you into good stead when you become a more strategic leader. And a key part of that is effective delegation. Um, effective delegation means delegating the right things to the right people at the right time with the right resources. And the key to doing it without getting too stressed about the mistakes that are going to be made is to have good governance as well. So when you delegate, 
what will success look like? What checkpoints can you put in place? What reporting back did you want so that you can be assured that you're fulfilling your responsibility and things are not going to go too far off track? Can you adopt a coaching mindset so they will develop further? Now, doing this in the short term is more time consuming, which is why many managers and leaders don't do it. However, in the medium long term, it really improves performance and it saves time because then your staff are better equipped to be able to deal with issues and problems themselves and to only escalate appropriately rather than trying to bring everything to you. Exactly right. And obviously every leader needs the right kind of team around them. And given, of course, um, how sort of prevalent uh, diversity and inclusion is today, I mean, there's a lot out there which is telling you that the best boards are diverse boards with different people, different skill sets, different experiences. Um, from your sort of own experience, Ian, would you say that that's also true that obviously you should look to get sort of different skill sets around you as a leader to, you know, complement where, you know, you might obviously have certain weaknesses? Very much so. And, and again, a key part of leadership is self-awareness. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? How can a team best help me here? Uh, the, the reality is human nature is such that we, we like people like ourselves. We gravitate to the same kind of people, same culture, same background, same sense of humor, even same sporting interests sometimes. So having a diverse team in that sense of different characters, skills, experiences is absolutely vital. And on boards, what I find one of the biggest problems with many of the boards that I've seen is that they're quite homogenous, uh, not so much necessarily in terms of color and so forth, but in terms of the sector. Uh, I always find it's a great idea to have one or two wild cards aboard as well. People are completely out of the sector experience, but who've got great experiences of doing things a different way in different sectors. Uh, and now when they contribute, maybe eight out of 10 things that they bring are not going to work in that particular company, but they're the ones that are going to generate the really novel out-of-the-box ideas that can yield significant benefits as well. Exactly right. And they're what sort of help kind of take businesses forward, aren't they? And speaking of the uh, the future, just before we do wrap up, Ian, because I'm conscious that we are starting to uh, to run short of time, we are in sort of a very, little bit of a volatile period post-COVID with, you know, sort of rising costs and obviously the turmoil in Eastern Europe as well. And uh, there are still supply chain shocks in various industries. So still a lot for yeah. businesses in various sectors to kind of get their teeth into, as it were. So um, what yeah. are sort of some of your priorities um, over the next year or so going to be, do you feel? And um, are you how are you going to be helping some of those leadership teams sort of overcome those challenges that they are facing from your own perspective? Sure. My great passion really is equipping leaders and boards and teams to deal with situations like this because leadership really is about looking for change, looking for the next big thing. And the key to success really is being resilient and agile and clear about what matters. So having a vision for the future, knowing how to articulate that, engage people with it. And the core to all that is effective leadership. And that translates into building effective teams through the organization as well, so that everything is clear, aligned, working to a future vision with people who are agile and resilient so they can change the inevitable challenges and opportunities that will come up. There will be winners as well as losers. And it's those who are engaged and agile and clear and resilient who are going to be the winners. Absolutely so. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see what businesses do, you know, come out as winners and come out as losers over the course of the uh, the next year. And uh, I think um, yeah. as we sort of start to uh, see more about um, sort of how the marketplace is moving in various industries and obviously more people come to you for help and you assist more, um, I'd certainly love the opportunity to maybe welcome you back onto the podcast a third time and just talk even more about your experiences working with the, the leaders of today and also the leaders of tomorrow who perhaps haven't reached out just yet. Thank you, Scott. It would be my pleasure to do so. 
It would be fantastic, Ian. It's been fantastic having you on the uh, the show once more. I've really, really enjoyed uh, speaking to you again. And by all means as well, do take care and do stay safe with all that's still going on in the world also. Thanks, Scott. You too. And to your listeners also. And I'd just like to reiterate that message to all of the listeners tuning in today. I really do hope that you enjoyed the interview today with Ian Kirby from Aspire Management Consultancy Limited. Very, very enthralling interview there indeed about sort of leadership. And um, to anybody as well listening in who might feel that you have your own story, of course, to come and share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then we do want to hear from you too. So why not also apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and share your story with us. So until next time, you've been listening to the Leaders Council podcast with your host, Scott Chaloner and guest Ian Kirkby today. Please do take care and goodbye.